0: wa, wa Welcome back to Miss Women and our podcast series The Beginning of Guidance. My name is Umm Abdullah and welcome back. Today inshallah we have a very interesting and very beneficial section from the book to study. And let's get started, inshallah, with our dua of Imam al-Haddad for Seeking Knowledge. Bismillah Rahmanir rahman rahim Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Nawaitu ta'allama wa ta'lim, wa tadhakura wa tadhkir, wa al-nafa' wa al-intifa' wa ifada wa istifada wa al-hatha'ala tamasuki bi wa sunnati rasulih wa al-du'a ilal-huda wa dalalata ala al khair wa wa in the name of Allah the most merciful and compassionate, all praises for Allah the Lord of the worlds, I intend to learn and teach, to remember and remind, to benefit myself and to benefit others, to derive usefulness and extend it to others. To encourage adherence to the Book of Allah and the Sunnah of His Messenger, وسلم, to call to guidance and direct towards good, seeking thereby the countenance of Allah, His divine pleasure, closeness, and His reward, the Most Exalted and High. Ameen. You can find that dua on our Instagram page at MiskWomen, and please head over to Facebook and join our private women's group, Misk Women Khalaqa. Inshallah, I look forward to seeing you there. Today's lesson is very important because Imam Ghazali takes us through the rest of the prayers. So he prepares us for what to do after we've finished in our morning time and the midday prayer is about to begin. How do we prepare for that and then how do we spend the rest of our day up until the night prayer? So, inshallah, that's what we will be covering, and there are many benefits and many, many interesting things to learn. This section is called Adab al-Istidadi li salawat preparation for the other prayers. Bismillah, Rahman, Rahim. May Allah benefit us by Imam Ghazali's knowledge in the two abodes. Inshallah, Amin. Bismillah. Yambagi zawali li فتقدم القيلولة إن كان لك قيام بالليل أو السهر في الخير فإن فيها معونة على قيام الليل كما أن في السحور معونة على الصيام النهار والقيلولة من غير قيام بالليل كالسحور في غير صوم بالنهار فاجتهد أن تستيقظ قبل الزوال وتوضأ وتحضر المسجد وتصلي التحية وتنتظر المؤدنة وتجيبه ثم تقوم فتصلي أربع ركعات أقيب الزوال وكان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يطولهن ويقول هذا وقت تفتح فيه أبواب السماء فأحب أن يرفع لي فيه عمل صالح وَهَذِهِ الْأَرْبَعُ قَبْلَ الظُّهْرِ سُنَّةٌ مُؤَكَدَةٌ فَفِي الْخَبْرِ أن من صلىهن وَأَحْسَنَ رُكُوعَهُنَّ وَسُجُورَهُنَّ صَلَّى مَعَهُ سَبَعُونَ أَلْفَ مَلِكٍ يَسْتَغْفِرُونَ لَهُ إِلَى اللَّيْلِ ثُمُ صلى الْفَرُدَ مَعَ الْإِمَامِ Imam Ghazali first of all advises us to get ready for the prayer before midday. So we know that the Adhan for Duhur, for the early afternoon prayer, goes after the sun has started to decline from the zenith, from its highest point in the sky. And he tells us that if we are going to have a sleep, a small nap, a daytime nap, then the time to take it is before the entrance of the Duhur prayer. And he says that this nap has the benefit of helping one stay up at night, just as the pre-dawn meal helps one in fasting during the day. And he says taking a nap during the day without praying at night is like having a pre-dawn meal without fasting during the day. He says so make an effort to wake up from the nap before midday, perform ablution and go to the mosque and perform the prayer of greeting the mosque Wait for the mu'adzin for the one who calls the prayer and respond to him when the prayer is called as we've covered in previous episodes. He says then stand up and pray for Akas after the sun moves from its zenith. The messenger of Allah would lengthen them and say this is the time when the doors of heaven open and I would like good works to be raised up for me during it. Imam Ghazali says that these four raka'as before dhuhr are emphasized. So sunnah mu'akkadah, they're confirmed sunnahs that the Prophet ﷺ would perform regularly. And it states in a narration that whoever performs them, bowing and prostrating in the most excellent manner, will have 70,000 angels pray with him and ask forgiveness for him until the night. Then he says, perform the obligatory prayer with the imam. Our commentator, Imam Mujawi, MashaAllah, and may we benefit from him immensely, says that prayer, as we've mentioned before, is the very best action that has been put forward for human beings to perform. And the hadith says, أَصَّلَاتُ ha'iru mawdu'in istakthir أَوْ aqil." So whether you perform much or little of it, it's the best activity to engage oneself in. As Imam Ghazali said about the Kailula, about the daytime nap, that it's for those who have stood in the night to pray. So in the days before electricity, when the night came and the people would pray their Isha, their nighttime prayer, in the early part of the night and then they would sleep. And they would often wake up at 12 or 1 or 2 in the morning and then they would be up, and in that part of the night before dawn, they would pray their voluntary prayers, they would pray wita, pray to hajud, and then they would be up, that's how they would manage to sit in the masjid until uh, sunrise, then they would go about their daily work. So this was how the day was organised. And then by the time it got to the very late morning, around 11 or 1130 then they would be sleepy again after having been up and busy for the last nine or ten hours and then they would take a small rest. So Imam Ghazali says that for those who are up at night, that's what you need to do to help yourself and make yourself strong. And he also says, or if you are up in the night doing other acts of good. And our commentator Al-Jawi says that would include dhikr and studying and reading books. Imam Ghazali encourages a person to get ready for their prayer before the Adhan of Duhur and to go to the mosque and to prepare oneself to pray at exactly the time when the Adhan has been called because, as Imam Ujawi says, that that is the time that is the most excellent for prayer at that part of the day because it's when the majority of people are in a state of heedlessness about their worship and they are busy with the events and affairs of the dunya, of this worldly life. And then there is some discussion as to whether those four rakhahs that you pray before your obligatory prayer, should they be prayed in sets of two or can they be prayed in one set of four with one taslim with one salam at the end and both are permissible in the Shafi Madhab. These are confirmed sunnahs. And they form part of the 10 or 12 rakahs that a person is encouraged to pray as extra salah throughout the day. So we have our five obligatory prayers and then there are also 10 or 12 extra rakas that a person can do. And they are calculated in the following way. So the first two that you would pray as extra or sunnah prayers are the two before Fajr which we have looked at. And then two before Zuhur, and then two after. And then two after Maghrib and then two after Isha. That would be ten. Another account says that there are twelve. And in that case it would be exactly the same. But instead of two before Zuhur, it would be four before Zuhur. So that's where the extra ones would come. And it's said that whoever prays 10 or 12 extra rakahs will have a castle built for them in Jannah. So this is one way of encouraging people to perform extra salah. And as we know, salah is the best activity for any believer. The Prophet is said to have encouraged people to perform these extra sunnas and to perfect the ruku, the bowing and the sujud, the prostration in them. And it reminds me of a story of a man who was praying in the Prophet's mosque in Medina Sallallahu and he quickly prayed and then he ran over to the Prophet alayhi alayhi wasallam, to greet him. And so the Prophet alayhi alayhi wasallam, greeted him and said, go back and pray because you haven't prayed. So the man uh, agreed and he went and prayed again and he performed it very, very quickly again and not having any tumatneen not having any... Pause in each of the movements. So when he stood, it was quick and then a bit like uh, we might say some type of sporting activity rather than being a prayer and an activity in which there was presence of heart and a gentleness of movement. And so he went back and the Prophet told him again, "Uh, repeat your prayer because you didn't pray. And this happened three times. And then finally the man said, O Rasulullah, show me how to pray. And so the Prophet wasalam, showed him and showed him how to stand calmly and how to go into bowing calmly and rest there and pause there for a moment and to stand up and pause and go into prostration and fulfill the full movement that's required as well as the stillness. Because the prayer is not just movement, it's also pause and rest and stillness between movements. And that's what the man had been lacking. So the Prophet Al-Islam showed him how to perfect his prayer. And as it says in the hadith here, that if a person fulfills all motions and actions of the prayer perfectly, inshallah, then the 70,000 angels will make istighfar, will seek forgiveness for him until the night. Then he says to pray the four rakahs of the obligatory prayer. Then he says, "Ful masalib al farudi raka'atain, fahuma min arroati bithabita." Then he says to pray two rakahs, for they are of the established sunnis. Then he says that until the asr prayer, "Wallad tashtakil ila al asri illa bi ta'limi 'ilmn, aw i'ana'ti muslim, aw kiraa'ti qur'an." Then most importantly to not busy yourself with anything until the Asr prayer, the late afternoon prayer, with anything other than learning useful knowledge, helping a Muslim reciting the Quran or striving to earn your living by which you support your religious life. And you might be thinking at this stage, where do these people get time to do all this reading and studying and learning? And... My response to that would be, well, where do we get all this time to read Facebook and Instagram and flick through our phone how many times a day, 100, 200, 300 times people are known to open their phones? And that's all reading. Now imagine if we had a book and imagine if we had several books in fact that we would read from throughout the day and how our knowledge would grow and how our hearts would grow and how it would transform us into knowledgeable learned people if we spent the amount of time that we did on our phone with a good book in our hand and not just any book but a book that would benefit us with beneficial knowledge in our dunya and our akhirah. So really these calls for reading all the time are very appropriate because that's what people do anyway whether they're aware of it or not and whether it's reading news articles, opinion pieces or even looking at uh, videos and learning dance moves they're all considered a form of literacy and learning taking information in and then that affecting you somehow and then a consequence coming from that whether it be good or bad. Also, if a person does perform extra rakas after the obligatory of the Zuhr prayer, then they should pray either two or four. And of course, you can pray your voluntary prayers at any time during the time for that prayer. So if a person prays the obligatory and then stands up immediately after and performs extra rakas, that's fine. Or you can delay that until the end of the time just before asr comes in or whenever that uh, is convenient for you in that time and so it's narrated that if a person does pray for rakahs after the hurt then they will be prevented from the fire touching their skin and it's a confirmed sunnah that the prophet prayed to and then other accounts uh, that he prayed for. And Imam Ghazali says that it's recommended for a person to read in those extra prayers, Ayatul kursi in the first rakah and the two ayahs at the end of surah al baqarah in the second rakah. Also other activities that are recommended after duhur include reading the Qur'an. And the practice of the pious people often is to get together after the Duhur prayer and to read a hizb, to read a section of the Qur'an uh, all together or at least to read Surah Yaseen together or to be constantly going and fulfilling a khatam, a complete reading of the Qur'an in that time, whether that be through a small amount of pages or several pages. So reading Qur'an after Duhur is an is a practice that is very established and is a very good habit to get into if at all possible. Then Imam Ghazali says, If it's possible for a person to remain in the mosque, then they should do so until such time as the Asr prayer arrives. It reminds us of the hadith of the throne and the shade of the throne, when on the day of judgment there will be seven groups of people who will be under the shade on that day. And one of them is the man or the person who was attached to the mosque. So when people spend a lot of time in the mosque, inshallah, this is a very good practice and inshallah will be a means for them to attain the shade of the arsh on the day in which there will be no shade. Then it's recommended to pray four rakahs of extra prayers before the obligatory prayer. And these are not sunnah muakkada. These are not confirmed sunnahs that the Prophet ﷺ did on a very, very regular basis. Although he did do them sometimes, and he said, "Alayhi salatu wasallam, rahim Allahu abdan, sallā arbaan qabla alasri." And Imam Ghazali says, "Fajtahid antanala katu'ahu sallallahu alaihi wasallam." So the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah forgives the person who prays four rakahs before Asr. And Imam Ghazali says, So strive to attain your portion of his dua. So when you pray those four rakahs, it's not in emulation of his confirmed practice because as we said, he didn't do that consistently, although he did do it. But you pray those so that you can get a portion of the dua he made that Allah forgives those who pray those four rakahs. A person shouldn't leave those four rak'ahs out of laziness and it's something that you should strive to persist in and to perform to the best of your ability, inshallah, so that you do take your portion of that dua and that you don't miss out. And we all know how needy we are for the mercy of Allah. Imam Ghazali counsels us further and he says, وَلَا yambari أَن تَكُونَ بما اتفق كيف اتفق؟ بل ينبغي أن تحاسب نفسك وترتب وظائفك في ليلك ونهارك وتعين لكل وقت شغلا ولا تتعداه ولا تؤثر فيه سواه فبه تظهر بركة الأوقات فأما من ترك نفسه مهملا سدا إهمال البهائم لا يدري بما يستقبل كل وقت This is very important and he says and he reiterates actually from what we've learned in previous lessons is that your time should not be without any structure such that you occupy yourself arbitrarily with whatever comes along. Rather you must take account of yourself and order your worship during the day and the night. Assigning to each period of time an activity that must not be neglected nor replaced by another activity, by this ordering of time, the blessing in time will show itself. A person who leaves himself without a plan, as animals do, not knowing where he is, or not knowing what he is to do at any given moment, will spend most of his time fruitlessly. He says, "Wa umruk, wa umruk raus malik, wa alayhi وبه وصولك إلى نعيم الأبد في جوار الله تعالى فكل نفس من أنفاسك جوهر لا قيمة له إذ لا بدل له فإذا فات فلا عودة له فلا تكن كالحمقى الذين يفرحون في كل يوم بزيادة أموالهم مع نقصان أعمارهم most important is the counsel and the advice that he gives here. And he says that when it comes to advising us on how to spend our time, which is, of course, a major theme of this book, Imam Ghazali says that whatever you have planned and structured your day around in terms of activity, not to let that run over into the next time. So if you have activities such as awrad and dhikr and reading Quran or studying or whatever you're doing of khayr, helping people in any way and inshallah being of a benefit in whatever role that you are in at any given moment, then make sure you perform what you have set out to do in that time, in the time that you've allocated for it and not to let it go over into the next time and to not let the activities that you have planned for yourself to be affected by other things to the extent possible. And that can only happen if a person is really, really dedicated to making sure that they get the best out of their time and that they spend it properly. Imam Ghazali reminds us, and he's written this in several of his other books as well, about the importance of your breath and the value of your breath. And Imam Ujawi says that your breath is like a precious jewel and by that he means it's a rock which has benefit. So just as diamond or a ruby or a sapphire is just a rock but there's something that you can derive benefit from because it has an intrinsic value, it can be sold, it can be used uh, for ornamentation, there's something in it which makes it rare and precious. And just like the breath, it is a physical thing, like it exists, has a matter to it with the movement of the body physically and the inhalation and exhalation. However, just like a rock, there's nothing good about it until it becomes benefited from And the way in which a person benefits from every breath that has been allocated to them is to make sure that you are using these moments that are regulated through your breathing and using the fact that you are alive, which is what your breath ultimately indicates to, in order to make sure that you spend of yourself everything that you can in the best possible way. And there's something that some of the scholars have said. The time of every single day calls you and the time says, Oh, son of Adam, I am a new day and I am a witness to what you do in it. So take advantage of me, for indeed you will not realize me until the sun sets, meaning what? That you won't benefit from me or really understand my value until the sun sets, meaning until you pass away. Imam Ghazali warns us and he says, don't be foolish, don't be stupid. And what does foolish and stupid mean? It means those whose intellects have become corrupted. They've been corrupted by their love for the dunya and corrupted by the whispering of shaitan and acting upon that whispering. And he says that they are the ones, so the sign of a person whose intellect is corrupted, الَّذِينَ يفرحون. كل يوم بزيادة أموالهم مع نقصان أعمارهم. They are those who are happy and joyful when every day they have an increase in wealth, despite the fact that their lifespan is decreasing. And he says, so what benefit is there in money that increases and your lifespan decreases? And that, of course, is the complete opposite of the mentality that we have today whereby people spend their entire life toiling and struggling and going through so much pain and anguish to acquire wealth to have at the end of their life, only to pass away and have a fortune there which they can't benefit from anymore. Unless, of course, they were wise and they knew how to invest it, not just for the dunya, but of course for their akhirah And that would maybe come into the three types of actions that benefit you in your grave. And the first of those, based on the hadith, of course, is that you leave behind knowledge that people benefit from, or that you leave behind sadaqah some type of ongoing and consistent charity, such as a well or a hospital or something that people can benefit from, or that you leave behind a pious child who makes dua for you after your death. So they're the three things that will benefit you in your grave. Imam Ghazali encourages us to rejoice only in an increase of knowledge or an increase of good works. As he says, The reason why is because they are your two friends who will accompany you in your grave when your spouse, your wealth, your children and your friends will all remain behind. Then he says when the sun turns red, ثم إذا صفرت الشمس واجتهد أن تعود إلى المسجد قبل الغروب وتشتغل بالتسبيح والإستغفار فإن فضل هذا الوقت كفضل ما قبل تلوع الشمس Imam Ghazali says that when the sun turns red, meaning that it is close to setting, then make your effort to return to the mosque before the sunset and occupy yourself in glorifying Allah and seeking forgiveness. The special merit of this time is comparable to the special merit of the time before the sunrise. So, as the sun rises and as the sun sets in that hour or that time beforehand, this is very Mubarak time. And we are encouraged to not allow that time to pass. That's a hadith which says, Don't have the sun set upon you except that you are in a state of forgiveness. And he says the proof that that time is the same in merit as the time before the sun rises is the ayah from the Quran in Surah Taha, verse 50, and that's the one that we quoted. Glorify your Lord with praise before the rise of the sun and before its setting. Then he also recommends the recitation of various surahs, uh, yogshah, those two surahs, surah al-shams surah and surah al and also the last two surahs, al falak and Anas. nas Then he says, when you hear the call to prayer for maghrib, for the sunset prayer, then pray and make this particular supplication. O oh Allah, I ask of you at the approach of your night and the retreat of your day, at the advent of your prayer and the voices engaged in calling on you, to grant Muhammad a place near you. Which is what we've taken in a previous episode. Then he says, after responding to the call to prayer, pray the obligatory prayer and follow it with two rakahs of voluntary prayer before speaking, and they are the confirmed sunnah prayers of Maghrib. Imam Ghazali also says, after you have prayed the two sunnas of Maghrib, he says, sunnah. So what he's referring to there is if you can, after those two pray for and lengthen them, he's actually referring to the prayer of Awabin. And Awabin is the prayer of the oft returning so, in total, a person's sunnah prayers after Maghrib should be six rakahs two of the confirmed sunnah and four of awabin, And this is a standard practice of people in the Ba'lawi tariqah. And there are some scholarly opinions which say that awabin consists of 20 rakahs. And the view is there that it can go up to 20 rakahs. And the normal practice is to pray four after the two, meaning a total of six. And Imam Ghazali continues discussing that when he says that if you can stay and do a tika for some prolonged residence in the masjid for the time between Maghrib and Isha, he says this, al So enliven and bring to life what is between the two prayers with the performance of actual prayer. فِي فَضْلِ وَهِيَ الْلَيْلِ لِأَنَّهُ أَوَّلُ نَشْئِهِ وَهِيَ الْأَوَّابِينَ So he mentions again that this time has greatness beyond measure and it's called the vigil of the night, referring to the ayah, because it's the beginning of the night and it's the prayer of the oft-returning. And then he mentions that the Prophet ﷺ was asked about the ayah in Surah Al-Sajda, and he said that that is the prayer here, innaha la nahar wa akhirahu, Which means that this is the prayer which cleanses one of the nonsense talk and the futile, trivial things that have been engaged in during the day and it rectifies the end of the day. So it fixes up what had been lost throughout one's Waking hours if a person engages in things which are not very beneficial. Then he says when the time of Isha comes, فَإِذَا دَخْلَ وَقْتُ العشاء أَرْبَعَ رَكَعَاتٍ قَبْلَ إِحْيَاءً لِمَا بَيْنَ الأذانين. So he says that you perform four rakahs before the obligatory prayer, which brings to life the time between the two adhan's, meaning the actual call to prayer and the Iqama. Because there's another hadith where the Prophet ﷺ has said, "Inna du'a' adani wal yuraj. so the du'a' between those two times is not rejected. Du'a' also there meaning prayer. Then you pray the four rakahs, the obligatory prayer of Isha, and then two sunnah rakahs. And Imam Ghazali says to read in them as a recommendation Surah ta and Al-Mulk or Surah Yasin and Surah Al Then he says pray another four rakahs because that has been given great merit and then to perform the witr. So those four other rakahs you can pray as witr, you can pray them as sunnah for isha and it's mentioned by Imam Haddad in the book of councils that praying those four rakahs is the equivalent in reward of Laylatul Qadr so inshallah you would get the same for each rakah as you would on the night of Laylatul Qadr insha'Allah so they shouldn't be missed also if you can to pray Isha prayer in Jamaah in congregation and also Fajr because the person who prays Isha in congregation is protected until the morning and the person who prays Fajr is protected until the evening So this is very meritorious. If you can, as we've mentioned, have somebody in the house pray with you if you don't make it to the mosque yourself, uh, one of your children, your husband, neighbor, whoever is around and would like to pray, then if that opportunity is possible for you, then take it up and you certainly won't regret that. Also, those four akars can be prayed two or two or they can be prayed all together as four. Then afterwards, Imam Ghazali says to follow it up with witr. The Witter prayer should be prayed as the last prayer of the night. So if a person knows that they're going to wake up in the morning before Fajr time, then you can leave Witter until the last part of the night. If it is that you fear that you won't wake up, then it's best to pray Witr after Isha. And that way you'll make sure that you've prayed it. And also note that you cannot pray Witr before the Fajr of Isha. So if you're, say, waiting for someone to take wudu and come and pray with you and you think, oh, just get my witter in before I pray my isha. No, you can't do that. The time for it doesn't begin until after isha has been prayed. And you can pray anywhere from 1 until 11 rakahs. And the best is to pray a minimum of 3. So 2 rakahs and then 1 rakah because witter means what? The odd number. So you pray the third one on its own. And in it you read اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ falaq and النَّاسِ Inshallah. And then he concludes this section by saying la اِشْتَغِلْ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ بِمُذَاكَرَةِ عِلْمٍ أَوْ مُطَالَعَةِ كِتَابٍ وَلَا تَشْتَغِلْ بِاللَّهْوِ وَاللَّعْبِ فَيَكُونَ ذَلِكَ خَاتِمَةَ عَمَالِكَ قَبْلَ نَوْمِكَ فَإِنَّهُمَا الْأَعْمَ After this, work on reviewing your knowledge or studying books. Do not spend your time in amusement and entertainment. In so doing, making them the closing works of your day before you sleep, for actions are according to the last of them, as is reported in Al-Bukhari. Very, very important point, because what do we all do at night time? Sit there on the phone, watch Facebook videos, chat, uh, catch up often the lifestyles that we live and the way our time is organized that is our only time for ourselves perhaps we've put our children to bed it's the very last thing we think oh finally I can relax with something and have a bit of me time and then we find ourselves doing things which are perhaps social orientated and of course not necessarily beneficial for our hearts and our souls but that's the type of lifestyle that we live. So Imam Ghazali says to benefit yourself in the last part of your night because it's the end of your awake time. You're going to go to sleep now and wake up on the other side of that sleep and the best is that what you end the day with is the best of deeds and inshallah if it is that... You don't wake up, then you've ended everything in the best of ways. And if you do wake up, and inshallah, bi khair then you've also concluded in the best of ways and you will begin again in the best of ways. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us all with the best ending in all of our deeds and with the best beginning in all of our deeds as well. There was a mufti of Jordan who passed away a couple of years ago, very great scholar. And after his passing, his son saw him in a dream and he said to him, how are you, my father, and what's happened to you? And he said, I am fine and don't worry about me. And his son said, what did you do to reach that rank where you've passed away now and you're not fearful for anything? And he said, I'm in this state because of the constant fear I had in my life of having a bad ending. And so he always sought to make sure that whatever he did, he finished it in the best of ways. And that benefited him immensely when he did pass with a good ending and then he was able to benefit from that afterwards. So inshallah we ask Allah for, husnu khatima, for a good ending to all our affairs and may we end this episode inshallah in such a way with a good opinion of Allah and with a firm resolve to improve our daily practice to make sure that we stick to our schedules and to benefit from every precious breath that we have, knowing that it won't return and knowing that whatever it has witnessed will return and be either for us or against us when the time that we're going to need it the most. So we ask Allah to give us the best of all moments inshallah and to bless us with his rahmah and with all the khayr that we can possibly attain in this dunya and the barzakh and the akhirah inshallah wa sallallahu ala sayidina muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. see you in the next episode inshallah assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh subhanak wa bihamdik Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk